Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show. My name is Sean Tierney from Insights and Automation. And this is a show where I talk about what's new and happening in industrial automation. And since I'm here alone, I got to look over there and make sure everything's working. Looks like the volume's good. The video's good. So we're good to go. So with that, let's go ahead and get started here. And first, I just want to remind you, if you do enjoy this series, please give us a like, a sub and a share. It really helps us grow the audience and find new sponsors to uh, back the show. And that helps us bring you more news and exciting content over at theautomationblog.com. And with that, I do want to remind, we've had some new users asking, hey, where are your links? Some new users, some new viewers asking, hey, where are your links? Well, they're all at automate.news. No www, no .com. It's automate.news. Every link for all 123 plus episodes we've done this year, you'll find on that site. And from there, I want to thank today's sponsor, making this episode ad-free. Thank you, Siemens, for uh, sponsoring this episode of the Automation Morning Show. You can see here we're featuring their Cymatic controller. Um, next time you see your Siemens rep, please tell them thank you for supporting Insights and Automation. We really appreciate our sponsors. With that, I want to go over to our first story here, and this is a uh, press release from Siemens talking about how they're working with NVIDIA and their Omniverse. Now, that I thought that was very interesting. Um, you know, I have a lot of NVIDIA. I pretty much standardized on NVIDIA for the last uh, decade or more in my computers, and, uh, you know, I wasn't familiar with their Omniverse, but it's very interesting. It's their own way of supporting their customers and their users to develop their own metaverses. And um, they have examples of cities using it for traffic flow and whatnot, emergency response and whatnot. And Siemens is uh, partnering with them for their own industrial metaverse. And I think the way Siemens approaching it is kind of making sense. They're viewing the industrial metaverse as really digital twins, okay? So whether it's a digital twin of your small machine or a digital twin of your factory or your, your plant, um, you know, it depends on what your uh, uh, objectives are, right? But uh, in any case, it was, I really enjoyed reading this article. I actually went over to uh, NVIDIA and read up a little bit about their Omniverse. And uh, there's an example in here of a manufacturing facility where they, as you can see on the screen, if you're watching, where they, um, you know, they actually uh, simulate or created a digital twin for this, uh, uh, this line. A lot of robots in that line, a lot of moving parts. So uh, very interesting stuff there. Now, this press release tied into another article I thought was very interesting. This is talking about simulation in machine building, right? So we see a lot of machine builders not jumping into simulation, creating digital twins of their machines, because I think, honestly, where's the ROI, right? Yeah, it seems fun. Hey, let's create a digital version of our machine, right? But what does that do for them, right? And so I think this article really does a good job talking about that issue. And it really comes down to a couple things. First of all, um, number one, you probably, as a machine builder, have most of the parts of your machine already in a 3D package, like SolidWorks or something, right? And number two, um, and I think Siemens makes a good point on this, you don't have to go out and buy all this software up front. They have subscription plans, so you can start small and, you know, put your feet in, put your toes in, and, and, and see if it works for you and see if you see any benefits. Um, if you do see benefits, it can be amazing, um, especially from the, <laughs> and they, they talk about this in the article. I mean, it's typically the PLC guy 
who who's the last guy who gets to work on the machine and then his development time gets cut into like a quarter of what it should be and he's rushing to get the code to work with the all the changes the last minute changes the mechanical guys have done sorry mechanical guys but you always get thrown under the rug because uh, or thrown under the bus because uh because uh, the plc programmer has to do all this last minute stuff so um in any case i'm not telling you guys anything you don't know but uh, in any case, I think they make a good point. The the uh, the electrical guys and the uh, the uh, automation guys, if they have a digital twin to work on, and they're getting updated uh, 3D models from the people building the machine, then they can take that into account when they're programming and do a lot of the simulation in their programming ahead of time. So they make some good points. I still don't know if the ROI is clear enough in that one to three year range to really sell it to machine builders, but. That's what the vendors are supposed to do. They're supposed to develop that case. So from there, we go over to the kind of related um, Solid Edge. We've talked about this from Siemens in the past. It is now officially out. And uh, this is Solid Edge 2024. And there's a lot of new features in it. I was going through here and like panning and zooming and rotating now nine times faster. Um, sharing and collaborating if you're using the subscription models. Uh, they added some AI. So if you need to replace one part with another, the system knows like what will fit and what won't. So just a lot of new features for the 2024 edition. Um, don't know if any of you guys are using this, but if you are, I'd love to hear about it. And um, they actually have a video here, which I thought was really good. It shows like all the different places this uh, software is used from uh, designing consumer goods to, you know, kind of construction type uh, situations to, you know, machines like that one on the screen now. So very interesting stuff. Um, I think we're going to be talking more and more about simulation and about digital twins in the coming uh, months and years. Um, I know we're actually over at the Automation School, we're working on a simulator right now. We've hired the, uh, um, actually my son, who's a, uh, a software developer, to uh, simulate our, the systems we use in our, our um, training courses inside of a machine simulator. And we're actually building a conveyor system here as well. So excited about that stuff too. Um, this was a huge press release, at least for me. Um, Emerson has completed their acquisition of National Instruments. I got to say, if you were going to buy a company, National Instruments would be a good one to buy. We, they're, they're in that testing and measurement uh, uh, space that a lot of times you don't see your typical SCADA packages or HMIs or PLCs. And, um, but you run into them. I'm sure you guys have run into them a lot as well. I used to run into them all the time. And it just seems like a great... Uh, uh, you know, product line to have in addition to your regular automation line. So um, congratulations to Emerson. Congratulations to National Instruments on this, uh, on this uh, acquisition. From there, we go over to an article from ABB, and um, they're talking about how they're working with a hydrogen uh, manufacturer or hydrogen uh, site in Denmark. Now, um, I don't know if this is the best use of electricity, right? To, to use uh, like, you know, renewable electricity to make hydrogen. But hydrogen, as we talked about previously, if it's burnt correctly, zero uh, emissions, right? The only thing you get is clean, fresh water. So hydrogen is a great fuel source. And that is whether you're using a, um, you're using a fuel cell or a hydrogen internal combustion engine, right? And gone are the days, like we talked about, I think it was last week we talked about this, where hydrogen and, you know, the Lindenburg or Hindenburg or what was it called? But in any case, the Hindenburg, you know, the hydrogen is, can be stored and transported safely these days. It's not a problem. Just think of your own gas grill in your backyard, right, with propane in it. 
No, you never, you don't worry about that. And now the new, the latest and greatest hydrogen tanks out there, you can shoot them, you can burn them, you can blow them up. They won't, will not explode. So in any case, um, it is a safe uh, fuel. And um, you know what, if you're, if you don't have any place to use, you know, a lot of times renewable energy is generated when people don't need it. Like when the sun is shining the brightest, a lot of times people don't need that power, right? And a lot of times when the wind is blowing the strongest, people don't need it. So converting it, instead of wasting it, converting it into hydrogen, not a bad choice, right? Better than nothing. But uh, hydrogen is a great fuel, and uh, I think we'll see more and more stories about hydrogen going forward. From there, we go over to PI, and uh, this is the Profi News, and they have a great introductory article on MTP. We were just talking about this. And um, they actually dumped a bunch of articles on the same day. So I'm not going over every single one on the on the same day. I'm trying to uh, include a new one each day. And the same thing with SMC. They dumped a bunch of new products on the same day. So we're, uh, we're going through uh, one a day here just to get through them all. But in any case, I thought this article was excellent on MTP, the modular module type package, module type package. And uh, I love how they referenced, uh, you know, the GSD file for Profinet or the IODD file for IOLink. You know, if you're if you're an Alan Bradley user, you may think, um, you know, an EDS file, electronic data sheet. Um, and they take that to say, okay, you know what those are? Those define the product, defines the data, defines, you know, how many words in and out, you know, if you would, right? Um, what MTP does, it defines the machine or the system. So it not just defines all the tags available and you know what they are, but also defines the alarms. It may define the process. It may define all the diagnostics that are available. It may define all the uh, screens available in HMI and more and more. And I thought they did a really good job, a great introductory article to MTP. So uh, kudos to Profinus and the people at PI. From there, we go over to Banner. They got a new multicolor strip uh, out, this is a multicolor strip light. And uh, what's what's unique about this is it's UV stabilized polycarbonate shell, okay? So UV stabilized, so it's gonna be good in out outdoors, right, for uh, direct sunlight. Um, it's also IP67 and IP69K rated, okay? So high pressure wash down, it's good to go. Um, it, this is the, uh, for the model number here, for those listening and can't see, this is the RLS27 series. Okay, and there's 13 different colors too. So Plus, uh, there's the different whites as well. I don't, I don't know why there's so many different whites, but they say there's six, six different whites, and then 13 different colors. So, very interesting new product uh, from Banner. From there, we go over to a, a blog from Grace Technologies, and this is on their uh, flex mount voltage indicator. I really uh, enjoyed going through this, although this just seems a little too dangerous. <laughs> this cartoon here, but in any case. Um, as we come down here and start talking about the flex mount, you know, what it does. I also thought the video did a great job just explaining all the different versions it comes in and the use cases for it. So um, definitely if you need visual indication of uh, the presence of voltage um, and you want to mount something permanently, uh, this thing goes in a standard uh, three-quarter inch or M20 knockout. So um, you can't get much more convenient than that. And they, they have versions for line and load and for, you know, three-wire, four-wire, five-wire systems. So... DC and AC as well. So very interesting product from Grace Technologies. From there we go over to SMC. This is one of the new uh, one of the new products they released this week, and this is a new proportional proportional <laughs> control valve, and um, very interesting. You know, control the flow rate smoothly according to the current. So we have ear, we have water versions, 
And uh, now this isn't your, your 4 to 20, okay? You can see here the current in milliamps, they're going from 60 to 260. And uh, they, they show a lot of the different applications um, and it's just a very interesting product. And, um, you know, if you're interested in that, check that out. And uh, now we're going to, we get to our featured product. We're featuring our S7 PLC course, the level one course. If you know anybody who needs to learn Siemens PLCs, the S7 1200 1500, I think this is a course you want to recommend to them. Um, working in partnership with Siemens, we cover literally almost every uh, piece of hardware that's in the 1200-1500 family, all the, all the main stuff, you know, digital in, digital out, analog in, analog out. And uh, we have some specialty modules we'll be adding in the future. As a matter of fact, pretty much everything you see on the wall behind me, this is part of our Ferrera classes. So pretty much everything you see on the wall behind me will be included. Plus we're working, as I said earlier, we're working on uh, with machine simulators to actually take the lessons and, and allow you to, we'll be giving all the students a machine already built and simulated. It's taken hours and hours to do it, but we're working very hard on it. We'll be giving you a virtual 3D machine and uh, we hope to be doing this in multiple different packages. So we're, we're working with a, starting with the lowest and least expensive packages because we want it to be affordable for you. But we'll be giving you the machine, the physical machine in a virtual version of it uh, for free when you take this course. So if you want to connect up your POC or your simulator to the virtual system, and test it out, you will be able to. The first one we chose does natively support PLC uh, SIM, which is awesome because it's free with the, the trial and it's free with the IA portal as well. And so you'll be able to go through lessons and actually see the machine move and see the different jams happen and whatnot. Um, so we're working on a lot of stuff over there, but uh, you know we're working on a lot of free simulation stuff. For those of you who can't build a, uh, a big trainer or don't have the space for it, right? A lot of times we just don't have space for it. So in any case, that is the S7 PLC course over at uh, theonmissionschool.com. From there, we go to an article from Aviva. This is an article about all the new features in Aviva Insight. This is their, you know, their um, overall equipment effectiveness OEE package and uh, reporting package. And I was just going through it and some of the things they've done here, the software just looks great. And they have this great video. If you're listening to the podcast version of the show, they have a great uh, uh, GIF or video showing um, some of the new features and the software just looks really nice. It looks very modern and some of the new features he has, they go through it, talking about the upgrades to the line charts and to the column charts and um, you know doing uh, the, the KPI charts. I mean, it just seems like they've added a lot of usability and uh, you know advanced features into this later version. And then they, they talk about what's coming next, uh, improvements to the alarming grid, and asset tree and other things. So really seems like a, I, if I had some time, I'd reach out to Jeremy, Jeremy here. Jeremy, are you listening? Love to get you on the show to tell us all about this product um, and the Aviva suite of software. It's been, I think last time I touched in touch, it was version seven or eight. So I'm way out of date on uh, what's going on with Aviva. But in any case, and from there we go over to Maple Systems. Now, I like to stay positive, right? And this is a very small, very powerful IPC. Um, however, we, let's look at this, let's look at this with a realistic view. Okay. They say it's a wide temp IPC for industrial applications, wide temp zero to 50 degrees. I typically don't now tell me if I'm wrong. I know there are a lot of, there are a lot of industrial PCs out there that only go to 45, but zero to 50 degrees C to me does not, I wouldn't call that wide temp. And I'm, I'm very curious why they think that's wide temp. Typically wide temperature, extreme temperature, we're thinking below zero. C and then a well above 50 C, right? I mean, we, I wouldn't even consider anything below 60 C 
as wide temp. But maybe I'm wrong. You guys tell me. Use the talkback link. Tell me I'm wrong. The other thing is it's their mo most powerful unit, but they're using an, a Ryzen uh, 2516, okay? 2.1 gigahertz. Now, you know, five years ago, that, was a, that would have been really powerful. It's not very powerful today, though. So it has a benchmark of 13225. And so... This would be great for uh, an HMI station. This would be great for any stand, anything you'd run on just a standard, regular old off-the-shelf PC where you're not worrying about throughput and bandwidth, right, of the CPU. But if you're working on a modern system, you know, like let's say a, a SCADA server or something that's going to be crunching a lot of data, I don't know if this is going to be able to do the job, and I'm going to tell you why. So I went to, there's a lot of websites out there that it will compare different uh, CPUs. And so what I did is I took that Ryzen chip, right? And there are a lot more powerful Ryzen chips. I'm not poo-pooing AMD by any means. As a matter of fact, one of their biggest plants is just up the street. And uh, they made, I mean, this place is huge and they make a lot of chips. But in any case, um, you know, if we look at this and if we're going to say this is my most powerful IPC, right? Now, for, for personal use, I would typically recommend an i5, right? An i3 is really for low end use i5 would be for personal use i5s are great even for gaming if you're just getting into gaming like awesome games like satisfactory if you're an automation guy it's a fun fun game factorio um, there's a lot of uh, automation games out there actually a game called automation we're working with that developer but um in any case uh you know i5s are great okay i5s are great and i know this because i had an i7 die on me and i put an i5 in its place as a way for intel to replace the i7 and it ran every application i had no problem now here in the studio, we've opted for the i9s because the rendering of videos just takes so long that we take every advantage we can to claw back every minute we can from rendering. But, uh, you know, I still use a lot of i7s at home. I use a lot of i9s too, but at home, I think my latest laptop's an i9 and my latest desktop's an i9, but I still have a number of i7s I'm using at the house, even still using a 6th Gen i7 in my, <laughs> in, my, uh, in my office, and it works great. I mean, it still works great. But if we look at the benchmarks here, I guess I'll get to the point. Sorry, guys. Um, if we look at the benchmarks, right, if we compare an i5 to this Ryzen that's in this PC, the, 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 the Ryzen that they're using in their most powerful IPC is, has a benchmark of 13225. Today's i5, an i5 you can buy today, um, you know, it's like 300 bucks. That's not bad for a CPU. Um, 38. So 13,000 versus 38,000. So I wouldn't, while it may be their most powerful IPC, and I'm not poo-pooing them. Anyways, I'm a big fan of Maple. It's not, it may be their most powerful IPC. It's not a powerful IPC. Um, it, you know, it's not even on the level of an i5-13 gen, right? So just wanted to throw that out there for you. Those of you who may not be like me, you, you don't build your own PCs every few years, and you're not into swapping out all the components and stuff. I just wanted to go through that because... Um, you know, full disclosure, right? We need to know, we need to benchmark our products to know what they're, what they're going to be able to do. Um, from there, we go over to Mechademic. I uh, haven't heard anything from them since we, uh, we, we filed their first article. Um, they had a, a good one comparing different types of robots. Um, but they just announced their new micro-automation, uh, micro-SCARA series robots. And so this is the press release. And so I went through this, and, and it's it has performance of the bigger brothers, and it's a it's a great unit. But I wanted to see a picture of it. If this is really small, then how small is it, right? So I blew up the picture here, and you can see this gentleman's holding this Scara or Scara. Oh, how do you guys pronounce it? 
um, robot in his hand. And that's, that's pretty small. So this is the MCS 500. It's available now from Mechademic. And uh, I don't even know if I'm saying that right either, but a very interesting, uh, very interesting small little robot arm. From there, uh, I did notice over at Automation Direct, they have some new Rhino power supplies. So if you're looking for switch mode power supplies, you may want to check those out. And uh, as far as events, we get a couple of interesting events coming up. Now we did have obviously MDT on the podcast. We have not published that episode yet. Um, but uh, it was an excellent episode. They not only went through the product and told us what Octoplant does. You know, we previously had them on with Autosave, but now they came on and they talked to us about Octoplant. But I was impressed. The software is so clean and modern looking and very easy to use. They actually did a demo. So look for that coming up. Um, but in any case, this is a, um, a live webcast. It's talking about stress-free production, how backups and version control can simplify your workday. This is on October with a K, October 26th at 10 a.m. Eastern. So not a bad time. And, uh, you know, literally, if you have dozens, if not hundreds of PLCs and HMIs out there and other devices, investing in one of these uh, products is well worth it. I mean, it's usually going to be 10 grand or more, right, to get started with these products. But um, the, the just, you know, the peace of mind you get from having all of your programs backed up and knowing if anything changes it's just, it's, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. It's just, if you don't have it, then you know what I'm talking about. Because, um, you know, when somebody makes a change, even like even an integrator OEM and you don't know about it and then things start going wrong, it, it, I mean, the, the price, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars can be lost, right? So that is October 26th at 10 a.m. Eastern. And then we have another one from Universal Robots and they're having one about exploring uh, welding solutions with Cobots. So if you need to do any welding with Cobots, that's also on the 26th. That one is at, it's 1500 CEST, Central European Time, Standard Time, which I believe will still be in Daylight Savings. So that should be at nine o'clock here on Eastern Time. All right, so with that, we go over to videos and uh, we released uh, Podcast 174. We're closing on 200 fast. Uh, we released Podcast 174 last night around 3.30. And uh, it's about... Um, Ragent and their mesh networks. Now, this is a company that got started after 9-11. Uh, the government was looking for a system that would not fail if there was a major catastrophe um, like 9-11 because they had all kinds of problems with uh, radios and communications because of a lot of the antennas were on the towers, right? So in any case, uh, that's where they were birthed and uh, they, their mesh networks are very, this is a very interesting um, uh, uh, podcast. Um, they do it over Wi-Fi. They do it over LTE. They support VLANs. They can segregate. They can even make their uh, their mesh network devices also access points. If you need a guest mode to let you know users do other things, you know they they can cover big big facilities either outdoors or indoors. And just very interesting. I thought Steve and Todd did a great job. They both come from, kind of from different sides and uh, just going through the podcast and talking about it. So I want to thank them too. They did sponsor this podcast, so it is completely ad-free. You can enjoy it without any ads on your favorite platform. Say, hey, speaking of platforms, I've been working with, actually, you wouldn't believe how many how much time I've spent with this, but we've, we've decided that um, we just can't get Pandora to be fixed. I mean, the podcast is going out to iTunes and Google and Spotify and iHeart and TuneIn and Amazon Music and Podchaser and YouTube and Rumble, and it has no problems. Right, and we're not having no problems. We just can't get the people over at uh, Pandora to fix it 
the feed, one of the feeds just not updating. So we're going to be yanking the, uh, the podcast from Pandora. I hate to do it. We're actually yanking both. We can't support um, one without the other on that platform. So if you're listening on Pandora, we have all these other ones you can listen to. But we've tried and tried and tried, and they're nice. The people at Simplecast, they're just super nice people, but they just can't figure out why their system will not update the Automation Podcast. And if they can't support us on the Automation Podcast, we're going to yank uh, the Automation Morning Show from them as well. We just can't. We can't support, you know, we either have to have both our podcasts on their platform or none. So we'll, maybe we'll revisit it next year and see if we can get back on there. But, and I don't know, I honestly don't know how many of you are listening to on, on uh, Pandora. I know a lot of you are listening on iTunes. They're kind of the big player. they got 50% of the market on podcasts. I know a lot of you watch and listen on YouTube as well and at the Automation Blog because you can just come up here and get every show, everything we do at one place. But in any case, um, I just wanted to throw that out there. There's a couple other we're getting ready to pull the plug on. Um, I just got to look at their latest emails. But we literally, I personally spent hours trying to work with them. And, um, you know, at some point you're just going to pull the plug. You know, um, there's no big corporation paying my salary. So in any case, uh, another video I wanted to share with you is uh, a video from Thompson. We have not heard from them. I was actually almost ready to pull them from my daily review list because we have not heard anything from them in over six months. And then this week they released a new video on their brand new product, the ElectroTrack or Electrac XD, okay? And this is a new actuator, that uh, electrical actuator that's designed to replace or work in hydraulic where you would typically use hydraulics, right? So in any case, I thought it was a very interesting video. It talks about people, they show pictures of different applications. Again, a lot of applications that previously you would probably use hydraulics, but now you have the option to use uh, an electric actuator. So very interesting stuff there. Uh, from there, we go over the firmware and software updates. We got some new firmware for the ET200 SPTM from Siemens. We also have uh, new manuals. We got a couple from Emerson. First, we have the third guide for the troubleshooting guide for the Betis RTS. This is the guide number one, so the standard guide. So we saw two and three come out earlier in the week. So now we have the trifecta or hat trick in troubleshooting guides for the Betis RTS. And they also released a uh, new uh, quick stock guide on the universal mount for Rosemont wireless WT210 corrosion transmitters. And with that, we go over to other science and technology, and we're at IEEE Spectrum. And they have a very interesting article about 2D uh, transistors and 3D chips. And as you probably know, you know, as chip makers struggle to, to shrink the chips more and more, they started thinking about making layered chips, right? And they're actually doing that. We'll probably see a, uh, most of the chips come out in late 2024 and, and early 2025 be stacked chips. And, you know, these chips, these microprocessors today, they're so thin, right? <laughs> There's plenty of room to stack three or four or five or six or seven on top of each other. And so I thought it was a very interesting article. If you're into that kind of uh, microprocessor space, you may enjoy this as well. But I thought it was just some uh, more food for the mind. And with that, I want to thank again Siemens for sponsoring this episode and making it ad-free. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Please, if you see your Siemens rep, tell them to thank you as well uh, for sponsoring the Automation Morning Show today. And with that, if you think I missed any news, please use the news tip link to let me know. As well as uh, if you want to let me know your opinions, you disagree with something I said, please. There's 8 billion of us. Of course, we're not all going to agree, right? So please use the talkback link and let me know what you think. And uh, that rhymed. I even, even, I'm a poet and I didn't know it. There, I said it, okay? And then we go over to automation.locals.com. And um, here you see, uh, we just got two new members overnight, two new followers overnight. Thank you very much. 
uh, for following us here. I post everything I do up here as well as the automation blog, but this is more of a community where we can chat, we can ask questions, answer questions, share links and whatnot. So from there, I want to thank everybody who bought one of our uh, video collections or uh, uh, eBooks recently. I just saw another person pick up our awesome $35 287 episodes USB that has all our episodes on USB. Um, it's on a USB 3 drive. It's just $35 and uh, you get the lifetime copy. You own it forever, right? So it's more than 29 hours of me talking to you. <laughs> so in any case, from there we go over to um, the shop and I want to thank everybody who picked up a copy of one of our coffee cups or t-shirts. Every penny goes right back into the site and into the show. And with that, that's the end of the show. Look at we made it before eight o'clock again, just barely. Well, I know you all have to go to work if you're watching this live. So, or maybe if you're on the East Coast, maybe if you're uh, on the West Coast, like Frank is, I didn't see Frank chat today. Um, you, you're probably still waking up drinking coffee. But in any case, I want to wish you all a courageous, fearless, and awesome day. And until next time, my friends, peace.